What is up, my friends? Welcome to Rebel and Create's Fatherhood Field Notes podcast, where I interview incredible fathers, gaining wisdom from their stories for you and I to grow in our craft. I'm your guide, Ned Shout, father to five kiddos, currently ages 9 to 15, and husband to my rad wife, Sarah, working on our 17th year of marriage. So yep, I'm in the thick of it, the adventure of fatherhood, and I am working daily to rebel against the low expectations for fathers and create a world where fathers know who they are as they show up for their families. You and I have the greatest opportunity to impact our world through the way we embrace our fatherhood role. I believe the role of the father is to serve, guide, provide, protect, and have fun in the messiness of it all. Today's guest is Kellen Roganbuck, incredible human being. He authors children's books. He first started making books for his son. The book is called My Dad Has a Beard. It sold over 15,000 copies. It's incredible. So we dig into the value of creating something and living an authentic life and how to teach that to your children. Enjoy meeting my new friend, Kellen. All right, here we go. Another episode of Fatherhood Field Notes. Super pumped to meet my new friend, Kellen Roganbuck. Kellen, welcome to the podcast. How are you today? Oh, man, I'm so glad to be here. Yeah, dude, I was just uh, have your book sitting right here. The My Dad Has a Beard. Uh, you know, it came across my Amazon and ordered it, dug through it, read it to my youngest fun book. And I was like, I would love to talk fatherhood with this guy. So how long you been uh been a children's author? Uh almost as long as I've been a dad. That's how I sort of got into it was uh reading reading books to my son. And man, I just um especially when they're real young, the the books were so I don't know, mind-numbing that I was like, I got to do something. I got to come <laughs> up with something funny, something fun, um something I don't mind reading 47 times in a row. Um, right, right. And uh, yeah, kind of fell into, uh, I just tried it out. And my thought was I was going to make one for my son just as like a present. Uh, I approached a a publisher just to be like, how can I get one book printed? Because I didn't even know where to start. Uh, And they loved it. They were like, let's fast track this for Father's Day. And here we are, you know, four years, four and a half years later. Man, that's so rad. How cool. Now, were you already an artist? Yeah. So, um, I spend a lot of my, uh, so I'm a, a pastor and, and I used to be in youth ministry. So uh-huh. I did a lot of graphic design for work. Um, so uh-huh. I'm pretty, pretty familiar with graphic design, but, uh, never really created something quite like this where I'm just like, I'm making something, uh, outside of a flyer or a, like a, uh, uh, you know, website design and stuff like that. Rad, rad. So cool. Okay. So we'll dig into the book and, and you got a couple other books. We'll dig into those in a little bit, but um, I'm going to just at rapid fire, a few questions for you. So uh, how old do you find yourself today? I'm 37. 37. Okay. And you have one son. Yep. And how old is he? Uh, his name's Levi. He turned six in August. Okay. So six year old. Awesome. Awesome. And then plans for future kids down the road? Nope. Um, you know, my, my fiance has two amazing children. Uh, so someday I'll have some stepkids, but no more of my own. Okay, cool. So you will be, so you got, you got your son and then the, the two, uh, soon to be stepkids. How old are they? Uh, 11 and seven. Okay, nice. You got the crew, the crew right there. That's awesome. Okay. And then you kind of already mentioned it, but, uh, what do you do for a living? 
I'm a pastor in Jefferson, Wisconsin. Okay. All right. And then, um, so Jefferson, Wisconsin, have you always lived in Wisconsin? Nope. Uh, so I was born in Colorado, but I grew up outside of Chicago. Uh, and about 10 years ago, found my way up to Wisconsin and uh, stayed for the cheese curds. Okay, <laughs> nice. So my grandparents lived in Racine. So we'd go out there once a year and uh, go to some uh, some like summer fest and just kind of enjoy, you know, the sausage and the cheese for sure. And the fireworks because we're from California. So, uh, you know, we just want to go to the fireworks store and, and light off fireworks. So <laughs> it was fun. Um when you think about being a father, how would you define the role of the father? You know, it's uh, for me, uh, my, my role has shifted so much even in the last six years that like the, the consistent pieces have been just like watching out for my son, um, making sure that he's healthy and safe uh, and like teaching him to be a, a good man someday. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, so you you brought up some some good terms in there. So that he's provided for, that he feels safe, right? Like as a father. And, and so, what does that mean in today's day and age? So, like for your kid to be safe in you know living in uh, America where it's pretty safe, well, what does that mean to you as a father? You know, man, it's uh, feels like the world's exploded over this past year. So it's really hard to even. I would have answered this differently, uh, you know, back in at the end of 2019, but mm-hmm. just doing my best to uh, have, have his life be um, unimpacted by the sort of the negativity in the world um, that he feels comfortable to be who he is. Um, and that, you know, he can just, uh, he can thrive, thrive in a, in a world where uh, bad things happen all the time. And, yeah. uh, and, you know, I just, even thinking about it is, is so overwhelming um, with all of yeah, all no this stuff going on in the world right now. I just, I just want, uh, want him to be able to live, live his childhood. Like I lived mine where, you know, it's, I just didn't worry about this kind of stuff. Yeah. So interesting concept. And I'm sure we can go round and round on it, but when you say you want your son to be comfortable being who he is, we, we live in a time and space where there's so much confusion about how, who someone is and, and all the freedoms we want to give for people to make up whatever, whatever magical thing they want to be. So as a father to a son, how do you, in a world that wants to cause confusion, it seems in a lot of ways, help your son to see who he is? What does that mean? You know, identity is something I think a lot of us struggle with. So you know, what do you think about all that? Yeah. You know, I think the struggle of identity is, is not a new thing. I think that Hmm. we've always, always like wondered who we are. I spent uh, about 12 years working with uh, middle school and high school youth through the church uh, and just have seen it for that whole time. Um, You know, figuring out what our sense of humor looks like and, and what our talents are and what our interests are and, and starting to to separate ourselves from our family of origin and like coming up with our own opinions and our own beliefs and our own uh, thoughts and values and morals. Um, and I think we're, we're in a world that like is in some ways uh, more encouraging and more accepting of uh, out of the box, you know, new, new ways of figuring out yourself, but also at the same time, I think we're, we're experiencing on the other end of the spectrum, people, not being as supportive, wanting to return to 
kind of like a uh, don't ask, don't tell behind closed doors kind of thing. And for me, for me, my son, I just, I want him to feel comfortable to, to try out things, you know, try out different humor, try out different mm. styles and different uh, interests and, and different tastes and, and learn what sticks, you know? And I think that's just what we all do. Um, but we, I think we can only thrive uh, when we can express ourselves um, or learn how to express ourselves uh, by trying new things. And so having him feel comfortable to, uh, you know, want a pink backpack or for a long time, uh, his favorite color, if you asked him, was rainbow. Uh, and then his, he'd say, okay, well, what's your fa- second favorite color? He'd say glitter, you know? Um, and then all of a sudden he came home from school one day and he said, oh, I can't do that because uh, rainbow has girl colors in it. I was like, who told you that there are girl colors, man? Like there's not girl colors. There's just colors, whatever you like, like learn what you like, learn who you are, learn through, you know, experimenting and, and uh, feeling it out because I just want him to be happy. At the end of the day, that's the most important thing. Yeah. So, so, um, being a pastor and then wanting someone to be happy, do you believe that there's foundational truth that then where my experimentation and, and see, that's the interesting thing is we start to put things in a box, right? So, is there, is there truth that you would find your identity in, or if you're going to try different things, that there is something that you kind of throw against the wall? Like there's some kind of foundation that you bounce things off of. And I know that's like, I'm just kind of digging deep right right here. Probably things that people have wrestled with theologically for, you know, since the dawn of time. But when you think about your six-year-old, right, you're not going to let him experience experiment with a shotgun today because you know that that'd be detrimental to him, right? So there's still some level of, as a father, you have some boundaries about what you think is acceptable for your son because you have that right. So, so I guess, okay, there's the question. You have that right, right? If I want to let my six-year-old play with a shotgun, you might say, hey, Ned, I don't think that's a solid idea. Here's why. But in our culture, we don't really want to hear that. I don't want you to tell me what you think is right or wrong. So anyways, I'll, I'll move away from this conversation quickly because I'm sure we could just get wrapped in a big downward spiral. But any thoughts that come to mind about this? Because I think a lot, here's why I'm asking. I think a lot of dads, it's like we're tiptoeing in this culture and, and I want them to go, hey, bro, you know your kid better than I do or better than anybody else. So you should have a say in what that it looks like and not just let everybody else dictate for you how to raise your kid. Yeah, and I I couldn't agree with that sentiment more. And I think I think that that there's there's you know every which direction people are are impacting my son, and that's mm. I think part of part of life, you know. Um, and and I think I think that example of like girl colors is just like such a such a harmless little example of what that looks mm-hmm. like. Like some kid at school probably, um, you know, told told my son that uh, he can't like rainbows because there's girl colors in it. And right. Mm-hmm. You know, that, that is beginning to shape um, some sort of like internal reaction to rainbows and like some sort of like at some level, probably some shame. Um, like he was told by somebody that he likes or respects that this is not something he's allowed to like, but he likes it. So like, what does that mean for him as a person? And I think, 
I think when it comes to my role as a dad, and this this comes back to keeping him safe, of course there's boundaries, and and um, I'm not a I'm not a gun person. I live in Wisconsin, where I'm in a, a very gun saturated culture, which is fine. Um, and I think someday, if if my son wants to learn to shoot, uh, if we can do so in a in a safe way, awesome. Um, but you're right, I'm not I'm not handing my son a shotgun at age six. So there are some obviously some boundaries that we uh, we need to figure out, and those boundaries are probably um, best suited by the the parent of the child. Um, I mean, there's there's all kinds of directions that people can take this conversation in our in our mm-hmm. culture, but I think when it comes down to it, is you think of your morals and your ethics and the ones you want your your child, in this case, my son. Um, I want him to, as a Christian, I want him to to value other people above himself. I want him to mm-hmm. put himself in a space where um, that's that's something I learn from the Bible every single day, and in my studies, that Jesus wants me to. Uh, create a, uh, an environment in my own life where like my comfort, my, uh, my liberties, my, all these things are, are secondary to me creating a better place for the world and for my neighbors, mm-hmm. for other people. Mm-hmm. I want my son to learn that. But um, I think, I think anyone who's uh, worked with teenagers, like when my son is a teenager for me to say, this is how it's going to be just won't work. Um, my son needs to learn that on his own. I'm going to gently nudge as best I can while keeping him safe um, from harm and from, uh, from as much hurt as I think is healthy. But some hurt I think is, is part of life. If I shelter him from uh, hurt too much, uh, then he never learns how to deal with it. And I think that that's a problem too. So, I mean, part of this is kind of like trying to find the doorknob in a dark room where I'm just, I'm doing my best. (laughs) Yeah, no, but dude, it's so important because I think a lot of dads feel like, oh my gosh, I should have this figured out. So they are not engaged because they just don't know what to do. And I think sometimes we have to trust our instincts and learn not to react. And that's something I'm working on. Like last night, my oldest is 15, you know, 15 year old girl. Okay. Pick her up from, or or talk to her Friday night. And she psyched out of her mind about school, pick her up from volleyball practice last night. So we're talking like four days later, getting in the car, instantly weeping about how practice went. Right. And like your heart aches as a dad. And I'm like, let's go back there and talk to that. Right. I'm wanting to go. And you're like, dude, you got to hold it a little bit more fluid, but also trust your instinct. And I'm trying to, in these moments go like, okay, how do I, how, how would a amazing dad show up right now? How do I show up for her in her space, knowing her, which is taking time to cultivate that even in myself. So I, I bring it up because your statement just really want dudes to hear this. Like you have what it takes as a dude. The, all of us are figuring this out. And I regularly tell my 15 year old this, Hey, this is the first time I've ever had a 15 year old daughter. So we're both kind of new at this game. Right. And, and that's kind of the thing of life, which is interesting is there isn't really a rule book. There isn't a, this is how it goes. This is like a learn on the fly kind of situation. Yeah, for sure. And that's, um, it's, my in my life, um, in just in Levi's life, I should say, my son's life, um, we've uh, moved from Milwaukee to rural Wisconsin. Um, I've been divorced and now looking to remarry, um, and and just like things have changed significantly in in my personal life. You know, COVID uh, has changed everything for everyone for a, a significant part of his childhood, and so like, man, I can't, I can't hardly say one thing that has been consistent from when he was born to today 
in, in my parenting and, and in our relationship other than, you know, I'm just going to do my best every single day uh, mm-hmm. to make sure that he feels safe uh, and supported and loved. Yes. Yes. Okay. So this leads to my next question. What have you learned? And I'm sure there's a bunch, but when you think about having a kid, right, you said you're 36, right? So 37. 37. So you had your kid right there, 30 years old, 31. Um, and then lots of transformation, you know, since then. What are a couple things or maybe one thing significant that you have learned about yourself since you became a father? Yeah, well, it's... Um... I'll, I'll share two things because I think I think one one is kind of an overarching, and then I think one is probably specific to me. But uh, the first the first is like uh, I like to think of myself as a as a smart enough guy. I'm pretty capable, um, you know. I I know how to read and I read books and all of the you know those kind of things. But um, people would tell me like your life is going to change when you become a dad, mm. and and like. And I like, I knew that I understood that like, yeah, I'll have a baby and like things will change. And, um, but it, it was like immediately within like a week of, of my son being born, I was like, Oh, this is what they mean. Cause literally everything changed. Hmm. I was so like, I, I instantly realized how naive I was about like everything, literally every part of my life changed. Um, and, and for the most part for the better, uh, I think, it's very complicated and nuanced being a, a father, but um, I wouldn't change it for the world. I love my son. He is my world. And, um, but everything is different. Everything, every goal, every dream that I had has shifted and pivoted and um, in like wonderful ways. So would you say more like my life changed in the way that my days were structured, my weeks were structured or something inside of me changed or both. And if both, then tell me the difference. Like literally all of it, man. Like, uh, of course, like um, back when I had Levi, I was doing uh, youth ministry. So I I had a lot of evening stuff. So like I would stay up till 12 or one in the morning, just goofing off on my computer and watching TV and and like doing what I do. Uh, I sleep in till nine or 10 o'clock, roll out of bed, run, you know, go into my, uh, my job. Um, Sometimes I'd hit the gym on the way. I mean, like, I just kind of, I was like an inside outside cat, you know, I just kind of did what I wanted, what I wanted (laughs) and where I was. And like, I don't know. I, I understood that some of that was going to change and, and, but like the, like every single thing, um, having the foresight of like packing lunches and, you know, doing the grocery shopping for, uh, you know, a bait or just like washing bottles. And it's like so much of my day structure changed. Um, but then I think the, the sort of like, intellectual, emotional, and and spiritual change of like helping to create life and nurturing and protecting Mm. life and like what that means. And like, this is a a piece of me and a part of me. And like, it's walking around and learning to talk. And uh, especially man, when he, when he turned about three and you could see him having like original thoughts and uh, like jokes and um just comments and, and telling stories and experiences that had nothing to do with me or, or, or uh, our environment here uh, was just like the coolest thing. <laughs> I love um, it. Yeah, it was, it was amazing. And it's just like, it's fulfilled a part of me that uh, I didn't even know was there. Hmm. So the question, you know, was what have you learned about yourself? And so you shared about how things changed, but then you shared about th- that last statement is that there's a fulfillment that you experience that you didn't even know existed. 
Yeah. Now, it's hard to say because I don't like to use the word better necessarily, but it's like you were designed for a part of your life to create and be a part of that creation story, if you will. And now this fulfillment that you experience is like something you've never, you wouldn't know existed unless you participated in it. Yeah, you know, I spend a lot of my life, um, you know, uh, writing or uh, uh, making, doing graphic design or mm-hmm. in my earlier years, uh, I was more of a, like a sketcher or a drawer and stuff like that. Um, a, a fairly artistic person. And, and like there's creation was not something that was new to me, something that I've, I've done a fair amount of, um, you know, making something and putting out into the world for people to see and enjoy and uh, like or hate or whatever they, they feel from that. Um, but then to have something that I was like a part of creating something that, uh, you know, goes out into the world and has its own life and its own thoughts and its own experiences and like has taken like nothing I've made is sentient. Nothing I've made other than my son has gone into the like changes. Mm-hmm. It is what it is, what it is. And my son grows and changes and experiences things. And he's then creating in me because he's teaching me things that he's yeah. experiencing. And like, it's a whole different thing. Yes. Yes. It's pretty wild because I say it's wild because he gets to go create now and you play a role in who he is, but not, not all of it. Like you have, you know, his mom as well. And then you have the world's influences and then his own original thoughts at three years old. Uh, It definitely gives you, if, if you're a believer, it definitely gives you a different respect and understanding for God and then how he feels about his children, especially as you see your kids get hurt and, and the way you feel and, and how they have freedom and how we give our kids freedom. So dude, wow. Okay. This podcast is fatherhood field notes. You're already doing it. Open up your field notes to share the theme or mantra behind it is rebel and create, you know, and this was born in me in 2015 uh, for various reasons, but it, it could be applied to anything small or big when you hear rebel and create what is it that you are rebelling against and then out of that rebellion what do you hope to create yeah there was there was a point where um so i i became a pastor just over four and a half years ago uh before that i'd spent 12 years uh working with youth in the church but in a very niche way uh and now i like lead the church and, and so i'm a pastor and um so that makes my son a pastor's kid. Um, and the old PK, uh, huh? Yeah. The old PK. Right. And, uh, and there's, there's implications on, and, you know, sort of stereotypes around, uh, pastor's kids. Uh, and then, um, my, his mother and, and I split up, um, just over two years ago. And, um, so he's, he's living in a co-parent situation, sort of a, um, to use a term I, I, I don't care for, and this is actually what I would say I'm rebelling against, is this idea of a broken home. Mm. There's all of these, uh, and he's he's an only child as well, which I think has some uh, connotations to it as well. And so, like, at one point, I, I remember just having this, like, vivid uh, anxiety uh, of, of this pastor's kid from a broken home that's an only child and be like, man, this – the decks are all stacked against just like this poor little kid. Like, what have I done? What have I done to this poor little kid putting him like in this situation and, and just trying to 
do my best to break out of this idea that he is predestined to be your quintessential Mm -hmm. kid from a broken home or a spoiled only child or, uh, you know, the, the misbehaving, uh, pastor's kid, you know, I don't buy into any of those stereotypes, but like to have all of them converge, uh, in one space, like, so I would say that I'm, I'm working really hard, um, to, to, have my my son rebel and I guess us rebel from that idea that he is predestined to be any of these one things, you know, spoiled or uh, damaged or, uh, you know, uh, destined to be uh, a misbehaving uh, rebellious kid uh, in all of the negative ways of that connotation of, of rebellion. Yeah. As, yeah. 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 Okay. So how, because I love this idea of stereotypes, right? And one, just to talk to you, right? How are you rebelling against stereotypes? Now, as I look at you, big, strong dude, beard, I wouldn't want to mess with you, but you have bright colors on your shirt. You've already mentioned your, you know, I mean, you've got the kind of, uh, you know, the, the round brim hat, uh, but you're not into guns. Uh, you're a pastor, you, you are separated. So how, you know, that you have all these stereotypes that you yourself are rebelling against. And, and I love this because in our culture, man, we want to say, oh, you're a pastor. Well, you're automatically a gun owning conservative, this, that, hate this, like that we make all these assumptions. Um, and so how are you rebelling against stereotypes, especially when you are in the limelight as a pastor, right? The target's a little bit more on you just because your life yeah. has to be transparent. Oh, and you got tattoos all over your arms. So, <laughs> so talk to me about you because then I think this would translate to, to your son as well. Yeah. So I always talk about uh, when I, when I talk to people, it's kind of like living in a fishbowl uh, as being a pastor. It's just like people looking in from all sides, you know, it, it feels mm. like there's uh, this, this lo- overt level of transparency but uh yeah i mean i've got um i'm six foot two um you know i haven't stepped on a scale in a while but i'd say you know 280 pounds uh with the this is the shortest my beard's been since my son's been been alive you know i usually have have a big old crazy beard uh, and i'm tattooed from my my clavicle down to my my knuckles um and yeah there's uh that's something that um I sort of am who I am, um, and people do try to continually put me in a box. Something I get often is uh, people get the wrong impression of me almost almost instantly. You know, they want to know where I parked my motorcycle, or uh, you know, they think they're, they're. I had uh, I had years ago um, somebody ask my my boss if I was part of a work release program because they assumed I was <laughs> uh, released from jail um, to work with the kids, but. Uh, no, just you know, doing doing my best to to be authentic and and not shy away from the things I love. Um, I love tattoos. Um, I've got about 130 hours uh, of tattooing done. You know, I love my beard. I love having a big beard. I love the beard culture. Um, you know, it's, I so, wear. Go ahead. So tell me the difference between I love a beard. I love tattoos, and I or I I. I I like the culture of that, but because I have tattoos, that doesn't mean that I couldn't drive this or like this car, right? So we want to say, if you like this one thing, then you have to like all these other things and and especially not like certain things. So 
I just want to go straight to the question behind the question is, is this because you have an identity as a Christian or is there something other answer that you would give to this? Uh, I think, I think as a pastor, I should say that it has something to do with my identity as a Christian, but um, you know, I could, I could be a Christian and not a Christian and still look the way that I look. I think, I think at some point um, I had to come to terms with the way that I look um, did not reflect to other people, their perception of, of me based on how I looked didn't always uh, jive with what they drew from the conclusions they drew from my appearance, you know, like me being just this big hulking guy, you know, uh, doesn't, you know, I've never, uh, I've never been in a fight in my life. You know, I've never, I have never punched somebody. Uh, but how many times do, do people act like they're physically, uh, afraid around a big, a big guy like me? Um, you know, people who, uh, my fiance was just sharing with me the other day, how she is getting used to, um, she can feel people's eyes on my tattoos when we walk in places. Um, and she thinks she was just saying it's so, it's so funny if they knew you were a pastor, I bet they wouldn't, they wouldn't be looking like that. Um, and so, I mean, I just, uh, my, my identity, my identity is, is, uh, who I am, not what I look like or, or what I want to do with my skin or how I want to grow my hair or what I want to drive. Um, those are all tastes and things that I enjoy. Okay. But so my those things don't define you. Right. So that's the difference I'm going for is I think in our culture, a lot of the things like I only wear these type of shoes because they define me. And if I had to wear a different kind of shoes today, I'd feel very uncomfortable. And and I guess my question for you is, it seems that if tomorrow we were to meet at the store and you didn't have a beard, you shaved it for whatever reason, you wouldn't be embarrassed by like, oh man, Ned still has a beard and I feel like an idiot now, <laughs> meaning that it doesn't define you. So I think that there's a big difference because I think we find we're looking for identity. And so we find that in a brand or a subculture. And what you're saying is those for you are tastes. Those are not the things that define Kellen. Right there. I think they're expressions of who I am. Um, they're, they're, they're not who I am. You know, I, I, um, I have a uh, Chevy Malibu is my, my car, you know, it's a four door and it's reliable and it's something my, can get myself uh, and my son safely from point A to point B. I also have a hobby truck, which is a 1989 F-150 um, that like I can't go to the gas station without having some old guy come tell me how wonderful it is and how yeah. it, how I've kept really good condition of the body and how he used to have one when, you know, whatever. Um, and I'm the same person driving both of those cars. Um, mm-hmm. But when I step out of my pickup truck, there's a level of enjoyment and pride I get out of that truck. I, I'm a, I, I love driving a pickup truck, um, but it doesn't make me any less who I am when I'm driving my Chevy Malibu. Um, so I think, I think it just comes down to like thinking of those things from one end or the other. And uh, if you're thinking about those things defining you versus you defining those things, um, I think that's, that's what identity is, is you are who you are. Your tastes are an expression of that. They're not a definition of that. Yeah. Yeah. So when you jump back to the, the question about rebel and create, you're rebelling against stereotypes defining you, whether it be I show up to the gas station in this truck or I'm a pastor who is separated from my, my son's you know, mother, right? These things don't define you. They are 
they are either a taste or they are a part of the twist in your story. But it seems as though either one you are openly putting out to go, this is who I am, regardless of these things. Yeah, and I think it's it's complicated because uh, some of those things also help me define who I am or help shape me to grow. You know, like mm-hmm. um, I when I when I had tattoos that were just under my clothes and no one could see, um, yep. I didn't. It, it's a different life having hand and knuckle tattoos and forearm tattoos, and um, it's it's a different. It's a different thing. And, and I have had to learn to grow into a space where I understand and appreciate people who uh, look at those and get the wrong idea about me. Um, and so I think that that shapes how I've, how I've thought about um, fathering my son and teaching mm-hmm. him about being yourself. Um, so it's, it's hard. I'm not, I think it's probably a yes and situation yep. where yep. I think, I think my experiences through those things that I love help develop me as a person. Um, but I think it gets, it gets real complicated and probably in an unhealthy place when you, uh, use those things to define someone. Perfect. So I think that that's the thing that not only it's not necessarily that you're doing it for yourself because you're worried so much about how someone's going to view you, but it's more, you are using this as an opportunity of how you view other people and to teach your son that, we don't judge people based on outward stereotypes. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's really interesting too, because these stereotypes will not exist for my son. He won't think of um, people who look like me as being scary or dangerous or, Mm. or any particular thing. Uh, He'll think this is what, I mean, um, I've got pictures of him from an early age, uh, wearing temporary tattoos on his hands and arms yeah. and chest and neck and, and not thinking anything of it. Um, Cause that's just, he won't think anything of it. That will be such a normal thing for him uh, as people with tattoos. So it will be really interesting when we reach a point where he is exposed to some sort of stereotype that we need to examine and, and grow in that way. Because just because I push against some people's stereotypes he doesn't experience that yet. All he sees is like, this is his dad. This is the person that, this is what pastors look like. This is the mm-hmm. pastor that he knows. Mm-hmm. This is what dads look like. This is what uh, guys who spend most of their time playing Legos with him look like, you know? And so he doesn't have any preconceived negative opinions of tattoos or big guys or, or beards or whatever. Man, that's so beautiful because our TV teaches our children so much and if we don't step in as fathers, however it is that we're leading and show our kids, this is how a man, you know, because we're men who are fathers respond in all these situations, your kid needs to see all those things, right? Because they're going to be exposed to the world that's around them. But the work that we do as fathers to let our kids see how we operate out in the community is critical because we essentially are going to create some of those stereotypes for our kids, or we potentially could, Right. Um, so I think it's important to know our kids are listening and watching how we respond to the world around us. And if we find ourselves judging people, I think that we should pause and, and, and check our mindset um, because our kids are going to basically build those same stereotypes. For sure. And I think that's, you know, I think of um, 
you know, the statistics of people from uh, families of divorce who also get divorced, you know, they, their model mm. of a healthy marriage is their parents and their parents' marriage obviously wasn't a healthy marriage because it ended. And mm-hmm. so I think that's just a great example of, of something where you are the model of your, like a fatherhood to your child. And um, for those of us who, you know, when I have a daughter, um, the way I treat my stepdaughter's mother is a model of what a healthy uh, mm-hmm. relationship between a man and a woman looks like. Uh, and like that might be the only healthy example in her life uh, or the primary example in her yes. life. Yes. It's a huge yes. responsibility. It is. It is huge responsibility. Oh, man. Um, but what an honor. Like when we pause and go, dude, what a huge responsibility. Uh, what an honor we have. And to not take that lightly. Um, not not let it, uh, you know, stop you or, or, or freeze you up. But just know, hey, this is, this is my opportunity. And really, I'm the only one. I'm the only one. So take, take the opportunity. Um, all right, man, I want to talk about your books for a minute. So I'm holding My Dad Has a Beard. Love it. Love it. I love the story you already shared. You know, you created this for your son because you were sick of reading the same um, boring book. <laughs> so you wanted something for him. How was it when you got this in your hands and you, you know, you were able to read this to him the first time? I, I, it was surreal. Um, it was, it was crazy how much fun it was to read and, um, a lot of the pages and, and situations in there are, are autobiographical. Yes. Um, you know, there's, there's a, a page in there where uh, the baby has my beard spilling over the head, like a, like a wig. And like, uh-huh. I have a picture from a Thanksgiving holding my son like that. So he had seen that picture. And so when he, when he sees uh, himself in that book and he's like, that's me, that's, that's, that's me on this end page. And that's you dad. And like, I think that uh, it was, it was just crazy. I I don't even know how else to describe it. It was something I had never quite experienced before. It's probably like what you see if people are on TV and you know, oh, there's me on TV. Yeah. Um, and and it was even it was even more crazy when people started buying the books and uh, like knowing that there are people out in the world reading about me and my son. That's nuts. Yeah, uh, it's so cool. I mean, the art. The whole, the whole book is fantastic. I, I, I love it. Um, so you came out with this book first and it was a gift for your son, but you had reached out to a publisher and they're like, Hey, we love this. Let's knock this out for father's day. Um, and it's had great success. Um, so then you, what was the next book you wrote? Right. So then, so then it started you on this new path of like, okay, I guess this is a thing that I do. Yeah. So, um, the first one was super fun to, uh, to write and to put out there. Uh, and then I started getting people responding from it that were struggling because it's written in a very specific way. And of course it is because it was, it was first intended for a very specific situation, right? Mm-hmm, My mm-hmm. son and me who are both, um, well, first it's a son talking about a dad. And so there's some, there's at least one page in there that's very specific to being like, uh, one day maybe I'll grow a beard too. Um, so it's very specific to a son in that way. Uh, all of you know the, the the father and the the son are both white because my son and I are both. It was a gift for my son that just went out into the world and sort of caught its own legs. But um, it was it was hard to hear that people 
uh, got it and were disappointed because they couldn't find something in that book that spoke to them and their hmm. situation. Uh, so when I when I did the follow up book, which is called Great Beards of History, um, it's mm-hmm. still at its core a book about uh, a child loving their uh, their bearded dad. But in it, there's all sorts of other bearded figures um, from all different backgrounds. In fact, there's um, there's one page on there that uh, Harnam Kaur, uh, who's uh, a British uh, model. Alive today is a is a woman that has a very very lush beautiful beard. So at least one page even there there's a, there's a bearded woman in there. Um, there's people of all sorts of ethnicities, some living, some dead, some like this. This is the kind of book that I also think it's it's very funny, it's very cute, it's very endearing for children and their and their father, uh, but also has uh, some diversity. Uh, so that was my follow up. Um, was uh, great beards of history, and uh, did part you feel of it a lot too, of pressure. Did you feel a lot of pressure to make that book that would make everybody happy, uh, or did you look at it as an opportunity? For me, it was more of an opportunity. Um, the The beard community as a whole has been unbelievable. Um, I uh, I've been on uh, podcasts and 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 video uh, broadcasts for you know beard things. I have Facebook friends, like I have Facebook friends who are like competitive beard growers. Um, yeah, that's you know, so awesome. I, there, are, there are people that I'm on a first name basis now who have, uh, you know, the world's best goatee from 2019 to 2021. Like that's, <laughs> that's amazing. Rad. Yeah, you know, totally. Um, I've got beard, uh, uh, beard product companies sending me products to like, promote with my book. I mean, there's a lot of really cool things about the beard community. And so I really wanted to give them something more than I had something mm. that reach more people um, and, and touch more people. I love that my book has been embraced by a lot of people. Uh, and this was an opportunity to touch more, more households and, uh, and, and do what I was shooting out to do for, for my family, which was create a book that was fun to read and uh, was special for my son and for me. Um, so it's at my core, I do like pleasing people. That's part of my personality as well. So it was hard hearing that people were disappointed with my book, um, but uh, I didn't feel a negative pressure. Uh, I didn't create something I'm not proud of and love. And actually yeah. I think it's a much funnier book. Um, mm-hmm. I, I was really silly with it and um it doesn't sell nearly as well uh, because I think when people go on Amazon and they're searching for dad books uh, because because dad is in my title, my dad has a beard, it pops up a lot more. Um, but I think it's it's a hidden gem. So if anyone listening today has my dad has a beard, thought it was good, um, you're going to love Great Beards of History. It's uh, same art style, same uh, humor, but uh, taken up a whole notch. Yeah, dude. And so then, I mean, you've got four other books that I know of. And are you going to keep are you going to keep creating new books as you get ideas? Or is is it just I guess that's the question. Are you going to keep creating more kids books? Yeah, man, it's it's uh, it's really I have a, a million ideas. It's about uh, it seems at this point, like finding time to work on them mm-hmm. because it's not my it's not my job. It's just a hobby. Um, but I just I cannot get over how much fun it is 
having people enjoy my books and uh, seeing pictures. People send me pictures of them and their kids or their kids reading their book, my books. And uh, so I'll, I'll never stop. It's, it's something that's just, it's too much fun to not, to not continue. Um, But yeah, so I've got four more books right now. And, uh, and really what I've tried to add with these ones, uh, you know, they're not beard books. They're just, um, there was a companion book. I was trying to do something for the moms out there. So there's one called my mom is always right. I mean, you nailed the title right there. That, that book should sell, right? Well, my mom is always right. <laughs> yeah, if you have a, if you've got a, a mom with small kids in your life, you cannot do better than buy her this book that communicates a lot to her, I think. Um, but you know what? I think, uh, I think people buying for dads are just better about searching on Google and finding the books and, and so that one doesn't sell nearly as much. My dad is the, has a beard. It's just like really out there. Um, I mean, it's just beautiful, right? I mean, the red cover, the the graphic of the dad, the yellow title, the, the whole thing is just so beautiful. And, and and I just love that that you just wanted to create something out of your heart for you and your son, and it just nailed. And that's what's so cool is is it it wasn't for anything other than to create an amazing gift and then to see the world come alongside and say, well, that is an amazing gift is just icing on the cake, right? To go uh, just to confirm that this matters. Um, And it's just like, we live in such a cool time where, I mean, I've had a beard for about nine years and what's so funny is my business partner at the time, he's uh, 38, he's about 30 years older than me. When I first grew it out 10 years ago, he, he brought me in his office and he's like, hey, uh, what's up with the beard? You know, he's like, I, we sell insurance. So he said, I, I, I just want you to know, I think beards put off this vibe stereotype of being very untrusting. That was his words. It's untrusting. So anyways, back to the, it was just funny. Back to the book. We live in this time where I do believe that dads really do want to step into their role. Um, and then beards are awesome obviously. And so what a cool time for this book to be a gift for people. Um, those two things coming together. So dude, kudos to the work that you've done and continue to create, um, just great value for, for parents and kids, something unique and fun. And so I just love the work you're doing. Well, I appreciate it. It's a, it's an, it's a hobby at its core. It's, it's nice if it makes a little bit of money, which, you know, of course that's nice. Uh, really it's, it's cool to see people enjoying something that I made Mm -hmm. into the world. Um, you know, so my dad has a beard has sold over 15,000 copies. Wow. There's 15,000 households that have on their bookshelf next to like Dr. Seuss and like, uh, (laughs) that blows my mind. That's so cool. So like it's, that's super cool. And then, uh, my other titles I've really been working on, uh, creating, fun, silly stories that have a positive message. So, uh, you know, the awkward dinosaurs is, uh, one of the ones that is getting a lot of attention now. Um, cause who doesn't like a good dinosaur book, but mm-hmm, mm-hmm. it's really about just being comfortable with like being yourself. And if that's weird, that's okay because we're all weird. And, and like, look at these awkward dinosaurs and they were super cool. And, um, it's a lot of fun. And, uh, I had a, a mermaid book is, is it's my newest one that just came out. It's called hardworking mermaids. And it's, it's about these, uh, female mermaids who are doing jobs that would have been traditionally thought as masculine jobs. You know, they're, mm. um, they're 
business owners and uh, one's an electrician and the other one is uh, is like a lumberjack and like these jobs that like otherwise uh, I think people people have made it seem like uh, girls can't do and um, I wanted to have something that was fun and silly uh, but at its core communicating that like you do you and like go and and like people are going to tell you whatever your gender is people are going to tell you you can't do something for some stupid reason and like that's that's not good enough reason to stop just keep going so like th- mm-hmm. these are the kind of things these are the messages i'm hoping to to put out into the world i think they're the things that i want my son to understand and if i can help other parents to do that along the way it's such a bonus hmm love it powerful powerful well man I thank you for the work you're doing. And I'm going to ask you my final question. And it's a legacy question. So imagine, okay, 30 years from now, your son is 36 and your stepkids are, you know, however old they are 30 years from now. And you're off standing in the cul-de-sac of their street, peering into their homes. What is it that you see in their homes? And you can credit that to your day in, day out decisions to show up as Kellen. Man, what a cool question. Um, boy, I I would just love to see how, you know, and I don't even know how I would see this, uh, you know, peeping through a window, but seeing them in an, in an environment that, that fosters confidence in the unique, wonderful, weird people that their children are becoming and that they're happy and they're secure and uh, they're doing all of the things that I'm trying my best to do for them. Hmm. Man, I love it. And what I really love is this word that you just said is, is, is weird, right? And as you said it, you think about this word and, and we usually, we call somebody weird if our stereotypes in our heads, so back to stereotypes, they don't measure up to it. It's like, whoa, this guy has a beard, but he also does this. He's also an author of children's books. So it challenges our status quo of how we think the world should be. And I think what you're, what you are creating in your own life and expressing is to do what you want to do, but with the basis of it, not just being for yourself, it being for the world around, right? So you've said that from the core of your faith is that you don't just do things and hurt other people. You do it as an expression of love for yourself and for those around you. And that's weird, right? That's weird because it's not selfish. It's not self-centered. And I love that because that's what you said in the statement of when I peek through their windows, I don't know how I'd see it, but I would know they're being true to themselves in a weird way, which basically everything that we spoke about in this podcast of what like you are doing with your life. And I think your kids are going to say that that's what we saw in our dad. And that's why we live the way we live. And so I just want to honor you because that's true authenticity. And uh, what else could we want to give our kids but that? Yeah, I do a lot of funerals as a pastor. And mm. so it has me thinking a lot of, of uh, what people will say uh, when when it comes time for me to be in that coffin. And uh, man, I, I would be I would be blessed 
if people spent their time celebrating how weird I was. <laughs> yes. Oh, I love it. Kellen, bro, thank you so much for the work you do. Thank you for being a great dad. Thank you for breaking stereotypes. And thank you for leading the way, you know, for next generations to step into being authentic human beings. And I just look forward to continuing to watch uh, the work that you put out. I appreciate it. And all my work's available on Amazon and barnesandnoble.com. So check it out. Buy it for your dad friends. All right. All right. All right, Kellen. Until next time. What an incredible conversation. I so enjoyed meeting Kellen. I enjoyed his authenticity. I love that he just created a beautiful gift for his child. And it turned out to be this amazing gift for so many other fathers and their kids to really enjoy just how fun it is to be a dad and how awesome it is to have a beard. And Kellen really, he breaks a lot of molds with the stereotypes. And I think it's such a critical piece in our world to be talking about what does it mean to be authentic? What does it mean to be yourself? And I think many of us men are on that own identity struggle. And I think that too many times we're trying to define ourselves by certain things instead of just being ourselves and allowing ourselves to have different tastes and different likes and to embrace those things. So I hope you enjoyed meeting my friend Kellen as much as I enjoyed getting to know him and and hearing about how he is a father and how he sees the world and how he is showing up to provide value in the world. I hope that all of us can take from that and do the same thing. I want to say thank you to all you dads out there listening to Rebel and Create's Fatherhood Field Notes podcast, What You Do Matters. Don't be like everybody else. Be yourself. That is who your kids, spouse, and community needs. This is your guide, Ned Shout. Together, let's rebel against the view that fatherhood has little impact and create lives engaged in mastering the craft of fatherhood. If you haven't already, please write a review wherever you're listening to the podcast. It helps spread the word that fatherhood matters. And I'm so excited to have released on YouTube the TEDx I did on how fatherhood can change the world. If you haven't gone and watched it, please, you can find it on my social media or go to YouTube and look up Ned Shout fatherhood can change the world and go check it out and share that with other great dads until next time.